My, oh my. He has been good, hasn't he? Whew, he's been good. Praise God for it. Thank you, ladies, for singing. And uh, both of them were on our trip with us. And uh, I tell you, they both of, the, both of those ladies, both Jessica and Hannah there, uh, extra special blessing to the kids of Brother John Harris. John and Robin, and they have, they have three children, and, and those ladies took some extra time and, and uh, just loved on their children. And I thanked them for that, and I, I ask you to thank them for that, because that was special. Uh, here are these, these children, they don't, have, they don't have a lot of people. They don't have, uh, you understand what I'm saying there. They're, they're in a different country, they're in a very different culture, and uh, they just needed somebody to love on them for a little bit. And uh, those two ladies did that, and I appreciate that so very much. In Luke 24 here, as Pastor Brother, Pastor Brother Papa Pappy has read, Pastor Pappy, that's what we're going to call him, Pastor Pappy, amen? I don't know if his wife will appreciate that, but uh, big, what, wait a minute, big sis or, what were you, where were you sis, sister mama or big sis? Whatever you were, amen. For some reason, I don't know why, but everybody got nicknames on this trip. And I think it was Ben Stanley's fault. I think it was. This guy's weird, and you already knew that, okay? Uh, so anyways, moving on. Uh, praise God and hallelujah. Pastor Bain seemed to have a great time last week in the pulpit. And uh, uh, he just, uh, I could tell he's missing, missing the pastor a little bit. And I said, uh, I'm only letting you preach once, buddy. So he... <laughs> He was up here for a while. That's all I knew. I'm getting a little hungry. I don't know. We'll see how long the Lord allows us to be up here today. Amen. All right. Heartburn. We'll talk to you about heartburn a little bit. I don't know anybody that enjoys heartburn. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Heartburn is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable until you take care of it. Now, some people take care of it with... Chewing a couple of tums, and some folks like drinking milk and uh, other things like that. But uh, it's uncomfortable. It can keep you awake at night, can it? Ken, Pastor, why are you talking to us about heartburn? Well, give me a moment. Have patience with me. Amen. When you're when you're eating, and you have you're dealing with heartburn when you're eating, it 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 can cause it to burn a little bit more, can it? Sometimes you got to go see somebody about it. Sometimes you got to go see a doctor or somebody who's knowledgeable about your condition to get some help to resolve the issue that you're having. And heartburn is, a, is an issue that, that is dealt with sometimes that many of us have dealt with. And I don't like it, you don't like it, and we want to resolve it. We want to take care of it. It's a physical condition. But heartburn is also a spiritual condition. It is. It can be uncomfortable until you take care of it. It can keep you awake at night unless you deal with it. Sometimes you need to go see somebody. Sometimes you've got to go see somebody that is knowledgeable about what you're going through so they can help you resolve it. Somebody that knows how to rightly divide the word of truth. A counselor that God said that we ought to go to. Whether that be a pastoral staff member or whether it be a deacon or a Christian counselor that has helped you in your life before. 
But heartburn can both be a physical condition. It can also be a spiritual condition. Look again at verse 32 here. Luke 24, verse 32. The Bible says here, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? Here they were in the presence of God and they didn't know it. Here they were in the presence of God with the Word of God being taught. And they're saying, why wasn't our heart burning? They were looking for something that they expected, but yet they didn't have it. And they were asking the question, why wasn't our heart burning? Why why was it not burning? It should have been burning. It should have been burning. Let's pray together and then we'll dive right into this. Lord, I ask your help and your blessing this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I've asked you before, I ask you again, Lord, please, right now, to meet with us. God, may this not be of, of my flesh. May this not be us just doing what we're supposed to do and going through the motions. Lord, but, but may we be real with you this morning. God, all of us, whether it's myself behind the pulpit or those in the pews, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to be real with you this morning. That, God, I would seek your spirit in what you have for me today and not just go about it through the motions in my flesh waiting to get out of here. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd speak, with, speak to me, speak to us, help us now with this area of heartburn. And that, Lord, you'd, you'd just preach your word as you see fit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, what's the context? What's going on here in this situation? What's, uh, what's been happening here? These are two disciples. Two disciples who have left Jerusalem on the day that Christ rose from the dead. And they're walking to Emmaus. This is that the road to Emmaus. Those two disciples uh, that we know about that Christ uh, met up with and, and spoke with. And, uh, and here they are. They can consider the emotion of the day, right? They've been following Christ. They were disciples of Christ. And yet, here he's been openly mocked and criticized and beaten and scourged with a cat of nine tails and then uh, made to carry that old uh, rugged cross, that heavy, uh, like, uh, railroad ties on his back dragging them through the streets of Jerusalem on open wounds that they had uh, caused with their, with their scourging. And, and, and he had been led up to Calvary, open in front of everybody. This was a public thing. All of this had been seen, and here they had been following him. They had, they had changed their life to follow him. They, and we, don't, uh, we don't know who both of them were. We knew, know that one is a man named Cleopas, and I'll get to that in just a moment. The other one could have been his wife. It could have been a fellow man that was just walking with him. Uh, but uh, it looks like they've got uh, a closer relationship because they, they go to the same place to, 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 uh, to rest that night. And so uh, as we look at this, let's go back here to verse 13 and look at the text. Look at what uh, the Lord has written about these two and about this road uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And uh, let's pick up, this is Luke 24 in verse 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Now we know three score is 60. And 60 furlongs is going to be approximately seven miles in length. Okay, so these two people have seven miles they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, as I was looking that up and I was researching that a little bit, some people believe Emmaus would have been off to the west of Jerusalem. Some people believe that it would have been off to the north of Jerusalem and others to the south down past Bethlehem. And uh, as I began to see what different people had to say, I got a little confused about exactly where it was. But I do know what the Bible says, that it was 60 furlongs. It was approximately seven miles from from Jerusalem. So they had a little bit of a, a walk. And as they're walking, they're discussing these things. Look at verse 14. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And what was that that had happened? Of course, the crucifixion. Now, the next couple days were kind of dark days. They watched their Lord be crucified. And now He's buried in the ground. And then, that Sunday morning, when they hear report of the ladies coming back from the tomb saying, the tomb is empty. And, but they don't know where Jesus is. And they're trying to comprehend it. They're trying to soak it in. They don't have all the New Testament to read about it. This is all happening firsthand for them. And they're trying to understand it. Now, you would think from the Old Testament Scriptures, they would have understood it. And they would have, but, uh, but you understand we are like sheep. And not, not always do we know exactly what we're doing and where we're going. And we need to be led. And uh, here these, these, uh, these disciples are the same. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So they're walking on this road to Emmaus, approximately seven miles. They're walking along and they're talking about spiritual things. They're talking about what has just taken place to the Lord Jesus and the fact that now there's, it's been three days and, and now his body is gone. And uh, the ladies said uh, that he had been risen from the dead. They had talked about the angels that they saw and uh, all of that. But uh, the, way that they, the, the way the text is here, it's almost as if they're trying to, to understand it. They're trying to let it soak in. They're not sure if they believe everything they've heard. It just seems to me as I read this, as it wasn't a great thing of confidence. They were just reasoning together. It says they talked, communed, and they reasoned. All right? And then verse 17. And he said unto them, this is Jesus now. They're walking. He's caught up with them. Whether he was walking a little fast behind them, uh, but he was headed the same direction. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? Obviously their countenance was showing, their tone of voice was showing that they were saddened by some things that had happened. They were not jumping for joy that Jesus had risen from the dead, uh, as if they were still questioning I haven't seen him. I've heard talk of this. I don't understand it. They were saddened. They, 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 weren't, uh, they didn't have the full understanding yet. Verse 18, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Now, Cleopas, I, I didn't realize uh, until I read this particular 
uh, verse here, I just hadn't thought of this way, that God named one of these. I always called them the two on the road to, to Emmaus. And, and here, one of them's named Cleopas. Now, as I looked at that name, I find that there's another Cleopas that is found in Scripture. His, his spelling is just slightly different, adds one letter, but we see that happens in Scripture a lot. And one of the ladies that was at the crucifixion, at the cross, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, one of the ladies was the wife of Cleopas. And I started to question, I was wondering, was this, was this uh, the man here and his wife that happened to see Jesus be crucified? If you were to look up, I'm not asking you to turn there, but later, if you were to look up in John 19, you'll find that the ladies are, are mentioned that were there at the crucifixion, and one of them was the wife of Cleopas. And so, it's possible that it could be this man Cleopas and his wife walking, uh, walking back home or walking to another village. But we do know that they're traveling to Emmaus. And he's saying to Jesus, he says, what do you mean what things? He doesn't know it's Christ. You understand? His, the Bible says his eyes were withholding. They, they, they didn't understand that that was Jesus. Whether he took on a different, uh, a different image of his body or whatnot. And we don't know. He's risen from the dead and he made it to be that they didn't recognize him. And, and he wanted to teach them the scripture. Uh, perhaps they were doubting some things. And he wanted to go through and teach them some things first before he showed them who he was. We don't have those answers. God didn't give us all that. But what we have is the text here. Verse 19. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and, and word be, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Do you, under, do you hear a little bit of concern in the, in, the, in the wording here? But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. What oftentimes we forget is that in, in these days... These folks had the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have any of the New Testament. They didn't understand everything that we have today with the New Testament teaching uh, of, of the book of Acts and watching the, watching the church in the beginning time. The, the teachings of Paul when he was writing to different uh, churches, teaching the Holy, as the Holy Spirit led him what a church is to do and how it's to be and, and, the, and the teaching of all that. They had the words of Christ that he spoke while they were there, and they had the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the full Bible at this time. Praise God for a full Bible. Praise God we can look back at the New Testament and we can see the pictures of the Old Testament and how it played out in the New Testament, and we can have a full understanding of what the Lord wanted us to know. All 66 books of them. Amen? Praise God for the Word of God. Don't take it for granted. Don't, uh, don't just uh, act like it's no big deal. It's a precious gift from, the, from God, the Word of God. We, have, we serve the living Word of God, and He's giving us the written Word of God to know Him more. And so as, uh, as uh, they're discussing these things, He says, they say, but we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. They didn't know the church age. 
They didn't understand that mystery that Paul talks about that was to come uh, after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to redeem and save the church and then allow a time of age of grace where he would give people something they, they didn't deserve, salvation, amen, during the church age where we are commissioned to go reach those in our generation for Christ. We, the church, are left here not to just be us, not to just sit and go with the flow and stare at the wall, but to go out and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose, that we're to be a lighthouse as He is the lighthouse. We are be, the church is to be a, a light in a dark world like a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen? We forget that, don't we? We sit in our comfy cushioned pews and our, our air-conditioned building or right now our heated building and we come to God so casually and we forget that He left us here for a job to do. Now, that's not my message today, but that's what the Holy Spirit is bringing out right now, is that I need to be, as your pastor, I need to be a better soul winner. I need to reach more people for Christ. I need to be thinking about the person on the other side of the gas pump and saying, where are they going to spend eternity? I need to be thinking about my next door neighbor and the people down the street. Where are they going to be spending eternity? Because it doesn't take much at all to say, hey... Would you read this when you get a chance? Here's a gospel track and tell you, show you how you can know about heaven as your home for eternity. How you can know the Lord Jesus Christ. How you can become a child of God. Amen? Yeah. You know what I found in, in um, Belize? It's very similar to what I find in America. They had a lot of knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have a lot of knowledge of, of biblical and spiritual things. They've, they've not been absent of knowing about God. But they were so based off their works. This is what I've done. This is, this is what I was taught. This is what, where I've been and, and this and that. And I, yeah, I've read a little bit of the Bible or I've been here. I've been introduced to that. But it wasn't faith-based. It wasn't received. And that's what's happening in America. We've got some knowledge without receiving Christ as a personal Savior to you. Amen? Amen. Let's continue through the text here. They were looking in verse 21, but we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. They were looking for a militant Christ. They were looking for a Christ that would come and, and conquer Rome and conquer the ones that had been overpowering Israel. And they were looking for Jesus to come after He rose from the dead to be in all His glory and, to, and just to wipe Rome right off the face of the map. But they weren't expect. They were looking for a militant Christ. They weren't expecting a meek Christ. You know what the word meek means. It doesn't mean weak. Jesus Christ can do whatever He wants to do. He had the ability while He was on the cross to call 10,000 angels and take care of the Roman uh, garrison or whoever was there at that time and those, those, uh, that centurion, take care of all them and bring him off the cross and honor him. And, 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 and just like the devil tried tempting him that, didn't he? When he was up on that peak and he said, why don't you just jump off here and let the angels come uh, rescue you? That was not his purpose. That was not his job. He came to be meek. He could have done whatever he wanted to do, but he came as a servant. To be meek and say, if you believe, you can be saved. 
Not, not watch me work. Not watch me take over this. Not watch me conquer. But if you believe, you can be saved. As I continue here, verse 22, it says, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. He's talking about Peter and John who raced to the tomb. Verse 25, look what it says. Now Jesus starts talking here. It says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, and in all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't you like to hear Jesus teach the Bible? Man, that'd be exciting. Man, he's, he was here uh, in his bodily form, Jesus Christ here this morning. Uh, I'd sit down, get out of the way, let him preach for a little while. Amen. I'd like to see that. I wonder if his leg come up. He get a little excited. I don't know. I heard Brother uh, Pastor Bain was trying to get excited. I heard he was trying. He just like, you know, he tried to woo a little bit. You know, he's, he's so reserved and dignified, isn't he? He's a, Good morning, my, my beloved. Right? He's so dignified. I don't know what would happen if his feet ever came off the ground. I don't know. I mean, he'd fall over or something. Anyways, you think Jesus would be preaching? But woo! Yeah, man, it's exciting, I tell you. Get saved. Come on. I'm your Savior, right? And I don't know how he would do it. But anyways, I just think that would be neat. I don't want to hear him. I want to hear him teach the scriptures. And so, uh, so anyways, he's teaching along. And he's expounding to them the Old Testament uh, scriptures. Now, as I was considering that, I was wondering, okay, he started at Moses, the books of the law. Okay, when he says Moses there, Moses was used of God to pen the first five books, uh, the Pentateuch, if you would call it that, or, or, or the law, the first five books. And he started there and began to teach. Maybe he went to Genesis 3.15 and talked about how God said to, to, uh, uh, to Eve when she sinned that, hey, I'm going to give you a seed. And he's going to bruise the head of the serpent. Maybe he started there. I don't know where he started, but he did start in the books of Moses. But I wonder if he got over to Isaiah 53. And as I was considering that, I was just thinking of Old Testament passages talking about the Savior. And I was reading along in Isaiah 53 and it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, but when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He came as a servant, didn't he? He was born into a carpenter's home. He didn't come in all his glory. Verse 3 of, of Isaiah 53 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Those disciples, most of them went running, didn't they, when they, when they came after him and uh, hid their faces. He goes down here, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. 
Now we could keep going in each one of those verses talking about Christ and his sacrifice, but he, with his stripes we are healed. That, that punishment that he took, that cat of nine tails ripping the flesh off of him. What a gruesome, gruesome uh, thing that was. The Romans knew how to cause pain. They knew how to make somebody suffer. And Jesus did that for you and for me. And here, Jesus in the Old Testament, going through the Scriptures and teaching the Old Testament Scriptures about Himself. What a, what a Bible lesson that would have been. Verse 28, And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and He made as though He would have gone further. But they constrained him. That word constrain means to compel or, or a, a very convincing thing to compel them to come. All right, compel him. And it says, and they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. Notice that. They, they didn't know who he was, but as soon as he took the bread and as soon as he took the meal and he began to bless it and then he began to pass it out and give it to, 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 the, to them and to serve it, he took on the, really, he took on the being the host of the home at the moment and he was taking it and asking blessing on it and serving the bread. Then they recognized him. I wonder if they remembered the, the feeding of the 5,000. Or, or if maybe... Maybe I, I don't know that the, these two would have been present at the Last Supper. I don't believe so, but uh, it's possible. And, uh, but maybe they saw him serve food in another fashion. And maybe they recognized the way that he prayed or, or the way that he served the food. Is it possible that maybe they saw the, the, the nail scars in his hand when he was passing the bread? And they said, oh, Lord, is that you? And they recognized him. Notice what happens here. And their eyes were open, verse 20, or verse 31. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? He, they said, How did we not know that Jesus Christ was right here in our presence? How did we not know that he was right here? talking to us and expounding on the Scriptures and preaching the Word of God. How did we not know? I wonder this morning, do you know that God is right here this morning? I begged Him for it. The pastoral staff and myself, we ask God for His presence regularly. Why do you think we come back in this room over here to, to give Brother Jones a joke for the day? No, we don't do that. We go back there and we pray. And we ask God to meet with us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to, 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 uh, to meet right here in this room, right here with us, and to empower us as, as the pastoral staff to lead as He would want, not as what we want. Not our way, not what, what we are thinking, not our plan. Here we, we have something called an order of service, and I have it right here on the, on the pulpit so I can just be guided by it. I put it together at a previous time. And uh, what, I, what I tell the guys and what I've told Mrs. Williams down here and Brother Stanley at the piano and others, I say this is, this is just a, a recommendation. This is just guidelines. And if God wants to change it, He's going to change it. 
Because I'm all about what God wants and what he has for us. And if you're relying on me to to make the whole plan and do it all and and do it in my strength, I'm going to fail you and I'm going to flop and it's going to be pointless to be in church. We need God. We need God. And he's here this morning. And as we preach and as uh, teach and preach and, and we have the word of God and his presence about us, can you feel him? Can you, can you sense him? Is he stirring in your heart this morning? Is he, is he showing you the truth of what you're hearing to be real because you've seen it in the scriptures? Is your heart burning this morning? And that's what they were saying. They said, why didn't our heart burn? Why wasn't it burning? Why didn't we, we know him, him when he was here speaking with us? As he went through the scriptures and he was teaching us, how did we not know these things? Verse 33 says, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. They, they all, as listen now, they were having supper time. They were having the meal at the end of the day. The sun was setting. If not, it, already, it, it would have already set possibly. And they're in a home eating and they realize Jesus. They got back on the road and, after sundown and, and ran to Jerusalem to meet with the eleven. And they found them and others that were gathered there with them. And they began to tell their stories. Peter's starting to, starting to talk about how Jesus had appeared to him. And they heard the other ladies talk about what they had seen at the tomb or what they had not seen at the tomb, Jesus Christ. And Mary Magdalene obviously saw him. She probably sang a thing or two. And then these two piped up and said, we've been with him. We just spent the last couple hours walking down the road with him. And he taught us the scriptures and we ate with him. And he's alive and he's real and he's here today. And they started talking he said, I, I don't know why we didn't know him at first, but now whoo, he's alive and we know he is. We've seen him with our own two eyes and we ate bread with him and praise God for it. Hallelujah. And they got excited and they stirred the people. And then, of course, in verse 36, I'm not going to go much, much farther than this, but it says, and, they, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. God showed up. The Lord Jesus Christ showed up. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning, and I only have a moment left, and I'll be done. I want to talk to you about heartburn. I want to talk to you about real spiritual heartburn this morning. It's, we're talking about old-fashioned conviction. That's what we're talking about. When God works in my heart and works in your heart and stirs us, and, and conviction, what that word means is being, it's being convinced. Being convinced, and it's not by the preacher. It's not by me. I'm a nobody. I have no room and no no reason and no no, uh, authority to convince you of anything. But the Holy Spirit, that's his job. And he works on hearts. Now listen here, church. I've been guilty of this in the past. Don't you play Holy Spirit. Don't you play that part. Don't you come down on somebody and try to, try to show them what, what, uh, what your standards are and where you stand and what this is and what that is and looking down on somebody because they don't dress the way you do and they don't talk the way you do and they don't look the way you do or sound the way you do. And don't you play Holy Spirit. Let Him work. 
It is our, it's our wonderful opportunity to teach this book right here. And as we teach the truths of this book, then the Holy Spirit starts stirring inside of, of us and each individual of us because I can't save anybody. And that's not my job. But I can deliver the truth because that is my job. And as I deliver the truth, I get to watch people become introduced to the Savior and receive Him as their Savior. Praise God for that. Amen? Now, we went, we went down to Belize, and there was 21 of us. And some folks got an opportunity to lead somebody to Christ. And others of us had opportunity to pass out the Scripture and preach the Word, but didn't get to personally lead somebody. Can I tell you what? That's okay. Why? Because as a, as a group, we went down doing the work of Jesus Christ. Souls were saved. And folks came to church and visited. And they heard the Word of God and received a copy of at least John and Romans. We did the work of the ministry. Now, it's, it's God's uh, uh, responsibility to save them. It's His opportunity. It's His gift that He's given. And as the Holy Spirit draws a soul in unto, unto Himself, He can save them. It's not my opportunity. It's not my responsibility to save anybody. It's just my responsibility to be faithful given the truth. Amen? And uh, as we consider that, don't play Holy Spirit with people. Don't look down on them. And, and, and let's, not, let's not be criticizing people because of they, don't, they don't fit our mold. Let's put that in the past. Lord, let's put that behind us. Amen? Let us be faithful given the truth of the Word of God. And let the Holy Spirit do His perfect work. He's still working on me. Yeah. Anybody, anybody perfect in here? Because I sure not. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner and he's still working on me. You know what spiritual heartburn is? It's real, Holy Spirit-driven conviction about what is right and what is wrong and where I'm supposed to live my life. Doing that which is holy and acceptable in his sight. Amen? Talking about heartburn this morning. Now here it is. Very quick message. Here it is. That was, all, that was all intro. You ready? Do you have heartburn this morning? As I spend time with my God in His Scriptures, my heart burns. The Bible in the book of James talks about it being like a piece of glass, like a mirror. We look into it and we see our blemishes. We see where we don't line up. And our heart begins to burn and say, let's change this thing. Let's fix this thing. Let's do this because we're not doing this. Yeah, this week I was so convicted about being a better soul winner. Man, I, I've, got some, I've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. I, I've, got to, I've got to get out and about more and give the word of God out more. I've got to be willing to just ask the question to people instead of just saying, oh, hi, how are you? Start asking them, hey, do you know the Lord is your Savior? 
Hey, if you died right now, where would you spend eternity? And just ask the questions. Again, it's not my responsibility to save anybody, but it is my opportunity and responsibility to give out the truth. It's getting convicted about that. I wonder, are you having heartburn this morning? What is it that God is speaking to you about? It might be an area of growth. Many, many people in this sanctuary this morning are saved. You know it, and praise God for it. If I ask for a raise of hands, you know for sure, without a shadow of doubt, that you're saved, you'd raise your hand. But he's left you here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? And oftentimes we get a little heartburn, a little Holy Spirit conviction about some growth in our life. Amen? Sometimes we have people uh, that, that have alcohol on their breath coming in through these doors. Praise God for it. You know why? Because they just got saved and they got a lot of room to grow. Amen? I don't want you to come to church drunk. I hope you won't. I don't believe in, in drinking alcohol. I believe the Bible teaches against it. But you got to give people a chance to grow. They got to get saved and they come out of it. Get saved from that kind of lifestyle and grow out of that thing. And the Holy Spirit works on hearts and helps us to develop and be what we're supposed to be. I wonder, is your heart burning this morning? What is it that God has asked you to do that you have not said yes to yet? Maybe it's a change of, uh, in your life. Maybe it's an area of ministry. Maybe it's working and doing something in the church where God's asked you to do that. And if you are a Christian that is right with God, I mean, I'm talking about saved, baptized, trying to grow, and in this word, then you're going to experience some heartburn. It might not be every moment of every day, but you're going to experience some real heartburn. And I'm wondering who is with us today, all of us, among us all, who's grabbing onto the pew in front of them saying, I don't want to give in. I'm just going to live with that heartburn and I'm going to be a little uncomfortable and I'm going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to keep me up a little bit at night and every time the Word of God is preached when I'm getting fed, it's going to burn a little bit more. You with me? Let's take care of it. Let's take care of it. Let's come meet with God on an old-fashioned altar. Say, God, you're speaking to me about this thing and I know you are and I've not said yes yet. I have not yielded to what the Holy Spirit wants in my life yet. I've been hanging on to my way. It's time to, it's time to hey, it's time to give in to the Lord. It's time to say yes to the Lord. Moses, if you look, at, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses said no to the world, but he also said yes to God. He didn't just say no to the world and stay there, but he said yes to God. And I wonder this morning, if you've got some Holy Spirit conviction going on, some real spiritual heartburn, and, and you're living with it, come meet with God right here and say yes. Say yes. There's somebody in here that God's calling to preach the word. There might be a young man, might be an older man that God's calling to preach. But say yes. Say yes. Don't live with that heartburn. Don't say no to the Spirit and live in your flesh going your way. Say yes. Somebody God's calling to be a preacher's wife in here. Somebody God's calling to be a school teacher. Or maybe even a bus driver. Praise God. Brother Martini, God's in the bus ministry, isn't he? He's in it. That means there's got to be bus drivers. There's got to be bus captains. There's got to be bus workers. And God's calling people. 
Why in the world would God say, go reach the world for Christ, if He stopped calling us to go do it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? Then why is He not calling missionaries out of Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church? I believe He is calling missionaries, but we're not listening. We're not listening. Holy Spirit conviction this morning. Let's bow together. Lord, help us now. You are speaking to us, Lord. You're calling us for something this morning, God. And we oftentimes are in our flesh ignoring you. Lord, we're in our flesh saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my, my plan, my purpose. I've got, already got it all laid out. I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I've got my retirement planned out. I've got my money planned out. I've got all these things planned out. But God, I pray this morning that you would help us to respond to the Holy Spirit conviction that's in our life right now. It might be somebody in here that's been saved that needs to get baptized. It might be somebody in here that's been saved and baptized but's not joined the church and needs to be a member of the church so they can get active and, 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 and active and, and serving you in this place. Maybe, Lord, is somebody in here that doesn't know the difference of heaven and hell, doesn't understand uh, uh, eternity and where they'll spend eternity. Lord, it might be somebody that doesn't understand how to be saved. What does it mean to receive Christ? Lord, it's a matter of a difference of, of death unto life. It's a matter of hell versus heaven. And God, I pray that you would convict that person. Help them to come down during the invitation and say, I need to get saved. I need to be a child of God. Show me how. Lord, may we lay aside that, that weight that's on us right now, that conviction that's on us about what you're speaking to individuals this morning. Lord, I remember before I yielded to the Holy Spirit and what He wanted me to do with my life, how that conviction was on me and that weight was on me. God, I thank You for the day that I finally gave it to You. And I said, yes. Now I pray, Lord, You bless this invitation. Help us now as we respond to the Holy Spirit. May we be found faithful to say yes where You've asked us to say yes. Help us now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want